We thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching from Metro Church. We hope this inspiring message will empower and enrich your life. We have started a new series last week, and uh, we are in the middle of unshakable, unshakable. Last week, we looked through history and talked about how the greatest kingdoms and empires of this world have risen and how they've fallen. We talked about, I mean, I gave a, a short little synopsis, a little history lesson, but we talked about, you know, empires, you know, from the Aegean to the Egyptian, from the Persian to the Ottoman, from Napoleon to the British Empire. We've seen them rise, and we've seen them fall. And so, what does this history lesson teach us? What have we learned? All earthly power, people, and kingdoms can be shaken. Isn't that right? We even talked a little bit about uh, the short history of the United States. You know, two to three hundred years we've been here and we've seen great success. But we also know that there's a shaking happening right now. There's a shaking. There's, uh, there's some lines that have been drawn that need to be erased. We need to kind of come back towards center a little bit. Love each other a little bit more. He just said center. Doesn't he know I'm right or left or wrong either way? Maybe we should talk about coming together under the banner of Christ and exchanging our citizenry from earth and picking up the one from heaven. I want to talk to you about the unshakable kingdom. Only God's kingdom is unshakable. The world is continually being shaken. The shaking comes in waves, much like birth pains. But the shaking is more than an effect of our fallen world's instability. God's word tells us this about the shaking. It says in Hebrews 12, it says, See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will if they turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, Once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken. That is created things so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, remember whenever you read therefore in the Bible, you've got to figure out what it's there for. Context, right? So because of everything we just said, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken... Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. See, how many people have ever had to do a deep clean of maybe your car or your house? Maybe you've, uh, you know, maybe you're at the, the car cleaning place and, and, and you're pulling out the carpets and the rugs. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know if you have kids like I have kids, but you know, Somehow lollipops go from their mouth to the floor. They didn't when I was a kid because I ate all of my candy. You better believe you, me. Like, that was not being wasted. There were children all over the earth not eating candy, and I was eating it for them. Now I try and send candy wherever I can because, you know, it's just the right thing to do. But, but as you're cleaning out a car, it's, it's not enough just to vacuum, is it? But have you ever noticed what a vacuum does? It actually shakes. It shakes. Why? To 
loosen up what is in there, you know? But then sometimes you're like, that's just not enough. You can vacuum said carpet, still take it out and start beating it against a tree or using one of those little, does anyone even have a rug mat beater anymore? I don't know what that, it used to be an old thing, old time thing in America. Now you can get them at antique stores. But the point is, after you have done what you thought was a good job thoroughly cleaning, you start hitting that rug and more stuff starts to come out. There are some things clinging because it might be a lollipop that eventually with enough force and enough shaking, it releases. Why on earth is he talking about rugs and candy? Because it's the way my brain works and you chose to come to this church. (laughs) But what I will tell you is this. Eventually, everything that can be shaken will come out and what's part of the fabric will stay. So when we're talking about God... See, again, this isn't just about the instability of our fallen worlds creating shaking. God is creating the shaking. God will reveal how unshakable his kingdom is through his own strength test. He's not creating panic for panic's sake, but to reveal that which is unshakable. Okay, you guys, let me switch. Maybe you're not into carpets and candy. Let's talk about all these, these uh, car commercials that you can't get away from, and you're going to see about 800 of them at the Super Bowl tonight, okay? And they're all going to be the least of the cool commercials. But what you're going to see is this epic-looking vehicle driving through the Sahara Desert, flying over things and hitting, and you see, you see the wheels banging back and forth, and they're climbing mountains. What are they doing? They're trying to show you how tough it is. They're trying to illustrate the life you could have, but you'll never have. It's a joke, right? I mean, who's dropping what they're doing today to take their car to the Sahara? Maybe you are, sorry. But the reality is the creator of the object is having to prove its strength so that you'll be willing to invest. Hello. So we have gotten used to strength tests. Everyone in here probably has some phone somewhere, and you probably are, well... Maybe not everybody's smart enough to have a cover on it, but most people are smart enough to put a cover on it because they cost like a thousand bucks nowadays. But when you buy that cover, what does it say? It tells you the, the drop heights that they have tested the cover. They have told you the strength tests of that cover. I need to help you understand. We understand strength tests in our everyday life, but yet we don't want God to ever show any stress in our life to reveal how strong we are. We're praying for a complete calm. God, we don't, want to sh- we, we, we don't want to feel anything. We just want to feel happy and good. And I don't want to experience any stress. I don't want to experience any struggle. And the reality is if you live in America, you probably don't in comparison. But what I will tell you is God didn't create you just to look pretty on a shelf. He created you to show his strength through you and to show what his kingdom is about. Are you still with me? In verse 27 and 28, the moving of what can be shaken so that what cannot be shaken may remain. We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. If we know this to be true, then it should be seen in the way we live. Are you ready to start taking some notes? Number one, only God's purpose is unshakable. Last week, we talked about God's kingdom and how it's unshakable. Today, we're shifting to talk a little bit about his purpose. 
Isaiah 14.24 says, The Lord of hosts has sworn. If God swears something, I promise you it's going to happen. He's not like that little kid in kindergarten. Man, that promise didn't work. Never saw those Doritos. The Lord of hosts has sworn, As I have planned, so shall it be. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. It's God's purpose that is unshakable. Goes on in, ver in chapter 46. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Pretty sure God's pretty straightforward when it comes to his plans, his purposes. They will be fulfilled. It's just whether we will be in the fulfillment. I oftentimes talk to people who are going through things and uh, they want a little bit of biblical encouragement, a little bit of maybe some, uh, you know, third-party understanding, someone neutral to be able to see and, and, and speak into things. And oftentimes they ask why the world has to be so tough and why bad things happen to good people. And I'm sure all of us have had some of those same thoughts. And it's the, the fact that, first of all, we don't live in the Garden anymore. The Garden of Eden is over because we screwed it up. And you're like, who's we? Where's even Adam? Let's put that on them. You wouldn't have done any better, I promise. Based on that past life that you've already proven. But what I will say is this. Because we no longer live in perfection, we have to remind ourselves we live in imperfection. It's easy to say, yeah, I know the, this isn't Garden of Eden, but yet you expect God's perfection everywhere you turn. Forgetting, even though we live above the fray, and even though we live in an unshakable kingdom, the world is still shaking, and we still see it. Have you ever been in an earthquake? Some of you may have been in an earthquake, and maybe they're just more of the tremors, and things start to shake, and you realize you are completely out of control, but when it's over, you're like, I'm good. Nothing happened to me. But you still experience that it was shaking. You just are okay. In the world we live, we can experience shaking, but we're okay. All right? And so only God's purpose is unshakable. And although many powers and people may try to undermine or derail God's purpose, it will not be thwarted. Job understood God's unshakable nature, and he spoke to it when he said, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. When's the last time you told God that when you were feeling like you were in the ditch? When's the last time you said that when you were feeling like things weren't going to work out? not just out in your favor, but weren't going to work out. We've got to remind ourselves who God is and that just because it's big doesn't mean it's big to God. What does that mean? If you care about it, of course he cares about it, but because it feels like a wave of something you can't handle doesn't mean it's something God can't handle. God, he's unshakable and his purpose is unshakable. And when we align ourselves with God's purpose, we become unshakable. You're getting this, church. See, if God has purposed it, it will come to pass. That doesn't mean fate doesn't give us a decision. We still must make the decision to choose his plans and purposes. However, those in tune with God's Spirit will receive the Holy Spirit's help to fulfill it. Proverbs is known as the book of wisdom. If you are somebody that feel like you're lacking wisdom, there are 31 
chapters in this book. Why don't you just read a chapter a day? Let it be part of your devotion. You know, 31 days sometimes in every month, sometimes. You like every and some. But listen, start reading it, getting it in you. But this is what Proverbs 69 says, in their hearts, human, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. It's interesting because we do have to choose that which we're living for. We have to make the right decisions to follow God's path for our life. God wants to be able to bless your plans. I'm not somebody that says just fly by the seat of your pants because God's going to figure it out for you. Uh, You're going to probably be dragged on your rear most of your life. Um, But what I do know is that if we actually say, God, I want what's best for you, and we lean in, I want what you have created for me, because do you realize God's best for your life is in him? So when you say, I want what's best for my life, that doesn't mean you're home or self-made. What it means is you have to align yourself with God created you for so that you can have the best fulfillment you ever will. Right? And so we can make plans in our hearts. Hopefully our heart is in tune with what God's doing so that the Holy Spirit can help us get there. But inevitably it's God that's going to establish the steps. Yes? So no matter how hard we try and plan and project our course in life, remember God is less concerned about our outwardly, or I should say our worldly success as he is in us playing our part of his story. His story. I I did a series a long time ago um, called, um, yep, it was good. There was a keyboard. It was was awesome. It was uh, our chapter in his story. That's all I got. It's in the bookstore. But the whole concept was the fact that God is writing a story and we get to play a part in the story. And if we don't play our part, we just become some stand-on in someone else's story rather than being the, the, the main character in what God's called us to do. It's great, I promise you. But the point is this. We have to remind ourselves that it's not just about what the world calls success. A lot of the world that has claimed success may not even make it to heaven. So what was the success about? We talk about sandcastles all the time. I I talked to you last week about how I build sandcastles with my kids when we go to the beach and how what? I wait. We build it just on the edge of where it's eventually going to be high tide and break. We'll spend all day building it right there. And then at the end of the day, watching it be destroyed in one fell swoop. You're like, man, that's messed up. No, it actually is a constant reminder that that's our life. In one fell swoop, everything we've built will be gone. So whatever will remain will only be the eternal. And what of that am I focusing on? Okay. My kids are hearing this going, I never knew that's what it was about. That's dark. (laughs) In time. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in the mind of a man or woman, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. It's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So my question is, do you stand with the purpose of the Lord? Right? So number one, only God's purpose is unshakable. Number two, only my efforts for his purpose are unshakable. What does that mean? Everything else I do, it's going to be like the sandcastle. Hopefully it was a cool sandcastle. But inevitably, once it's gone, people are just referring to what it was. I don't want my life to be just referred to what my life was. I want my life to have have been able to create ripples that have changed lives and they carry on and move on differently because of who God was in me and how that affected them. Hello, are you getting this? 
about living for that unshakable purpose, but only my efforts for his purpose are unshakable. So what purpose has God left us? Someone says, well, okay, but where do I even begin? Well, normally we begin at the end. In all things, no matter what you're planning, you should start with the end in mind. Okay? Some of you, maybe you're blessed in a situation where you're inheriting land somewhere, probably not in the borough because there's none left to inherit. <laughs> but somewhere, maybe you're building a house. You don't start by just saying, yeah, just pour, pour a slab over there. The person will say, well, how, how thick is the slab? How many stories are we going up? How wide do you want it to be? How big do you want the master? They start to ask you all these questions, which, yes, I'm pulling back from blueprints. We just did that series. I get it. But what I am saying is you better start with the end in mind before you start. So if you're here saying, well, where do we begin when it comes to God's purpose? Let's go to his last words. Let's talk about what Jesus said before he ascended back to the right hand of the Father. Jesus said this, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He didn't leave it blurry. He didn't leave it to like, well, let's see how you feel on a Tuesday. You know, Tuesdays are kind of rough because they came after Monday. Let's just see what you're up to. He was like, hey, this is what we're doing. We're going out and sharing the gospel. What is the gospel? The good news of Jesus and what he did. He was the game changer. He was the uh, uh, table turner. He was shifting the table into our favor. Hello. What Jesus did for us, what he bore on the cross, our sins, so that we could live our life now free from sin, not sinless, but seen through the Son, yes, we have the ability to move the ball forward on Super Bowl Sunday. I feel like I can use that analogy pretty, right? So what is the purpose? Only my efforts for his purpose are unshakable, and his purpose are to reach people for him so that they can be inherited and become part of the family of God. So what does that mean? Does that mean my portfolio doesn't matter to God? It could. Or it could mean a lot depending on what you're going to do with all that he gave you. Depends on what the plan was for everything you were chasing. You know, one of my closest friends that I grew up with, a uh, brilliant guy, really smart and uh, good with finances. And I, you remember, I was the one buying all the candy. He was the one eating all my candy. That makes him smarter. <laughs> but what I'll tell you is, he said, you know, my greatest desire isn't just to make a lot of money. I've spent my life in a church talking about building buildings. I want to be the one that can pay to, pay, pay to pour the concrete. And I thought, holy smoke, I need to chew on another piece of candy. I thought, man, okay, when we can align all that God's called us to do, man, all right, I can see what God's saying there. How many understand that God gave some five and some two and some one. God is giving out talents and resources, but what you do with them determines how you're going to be blessed and if you're going to be blessed. See, you think you're self-made other than the fact that in your, in your mother's womb, God knit you with your gifts and talents that is creating all of the reaping in your life because all you're doing is investing what he gave you into what you're good at, and it's because of what he gave you, not just because you're good. Yeah. 
So as I think about Matthew 28, there go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, right? What? Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Listen, if one of our main purposes in life, because I understand the Bible even talks about like, hey, if you get married, now you've got to actually care for your spouse's feelings, right? There's going to be some divisions where you're having to focus on many things because God's called you to be accountable of your family too, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? But if we're not focused on moving the ball forward, what am I saying? If we're not focused on reaching our neighbors and reaching our friends and our foes, if we're not focused on reaching someone in the globe that up until this point has never heard the name Jesus, we're missing it. We come in here and we sit on these cushy chairs. You're so lucky. We come in here and, and we hear the word of God. You're so blessed. And it's all true, especially the comfy chairs. But what are we doing to reach the world that Jesus said, hey, these are my last words, pretty important. So when you start from the, make sure you start at the end. Let's read these words first. And now what are we doing with these words? Remember? One of these days I'll do that series, Pull String Faith, and we talk about only the scriptures that we want on our little pull string doll that just encourage us in the faith but never actually move us forward in our action. I'm an overcomer. Yeah, but you have nothing to overcome because you do nothing. (laughs) That wasn't nice. I got it. We're good. But so how can we have Vision Sunday without reminding ourselves what the purpose of the church is, right? That's why we're digging into the scripture for a moment. Can I tell you some exciting things? We as a church have received much favor as God has opened doors for us to share the gospel to this world. Many of you don't realize, but just over this last calendar year, not even counting on what has happened within the states, through our website and our app and our Facebook and all of the rest. But outside of the United States, we've had over 12 million views this last year around the world with our TV show. And that's in partnership with King Television. And and what makes me even more excited about that is that our greatest draw is from what is known as the 1040 window. Has anyone ever heard of the 1040 window? Well, if you haven't, let me help you. It is a rectangular geographic area in the world positioned between 10 and 40 degrees north latitude. Let's see this picture. Those 12 million views came from what we're calling the 1040 window, the majority of it. Why am I so excited about this? I got goosebumps right now. In short, it is estimated that two-thirds of the world's population lives in that window. Among Christian missionaries, this place is known as the resistant belt because it includes the majority of the world's Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists. Because of this, many of the governments in this area actively suppress the church or persecute followers of Christ. I'm happy because our greatest viewership is coming from a part of the world where three out of, pe- three out of five people have no access to the gospel. We should feel really good about that as a church. And I don't want to take anything away from that. But when was the last time we personally reached someone in our community for Jesus? See, we can't leave God's work to the organization of the church or leadership. Because biblically speaking, 
You and I are the church. You know, I remember as a young person, I'm still young, don't look at me like that. I remember when I was a youth. <laughs> when I was a youth, I remember in the young years just thinking, man, if I could just get him to church, the pastor will do the work. If I can just get him to church, you know what I mean? Just get him to church. Somebody will be really nice to him and they'll make some friends and then they'll stick around long enough to hear God's word. But actually what I did was I cut myself out of the equation because it wasn't on how I lived. It wasn't on how I loved. It wasn't on any information of the Bible that I knew. I, I could know nothing and just leave it to the church. Yet when I look back on that, being willing to know nothing in the Bible meant I was never growing in Jesus. See, I cannot tell you how excited I am that we have such an amazing draw in the 1040 window. But I want to know, how are you doing with who's outside your window? How am I doing in my neighborhood? Because when it comes to Vision Sunday, if we don't have Jesus' last words as our spotlight, as our microscope that we then turn into our scope for what we view the world through. If we aren't actually trying to reach anybody, then we're missing it. We can't leave God's work to the organization of the church or leadership. So here's a question for you. When was the last time I sacrificed what I wanted for what God wanted? I'm asking that question myself as well. When is the last time I chose not to get something so that I could make something else happen? When's the last time I showed somebody love and it went without because I was willing to do the thing that I knew God would bless? Not just losing sleep on Sunday, but your action on Monday, your attention on Tuesday, your investment on Wednesday. By how you interact with those you encounter, when is the last time you lost the mask the world has you wearing? and were the ambassador for Christ you were called to be. It's easy. When we get in the rat race of life, when, when all of a sudden you're trying to pay bills and raise kids and keep diapers in the house and all, when you start doing all of the things that become difficult, it's easy to lose track of what's important because those are important. And don't let me, you know, don't think that I'm saying family's not important. What I do know is this. We want to make sure our family gets to heaven. Yes? So in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. When was the last time you let your light so shine before men, right? When was the last time you remember doing good deeds that glorified God. When's the last time? Look at it also in 1 Peter 3. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. Again, it's about reaching people. Here's a question. When is the last time I used my resources towards reaching the lost, helping the poor, and spreading the gospel? I don't know about you, but I love going and picking apples and basically being in the wilderness pulling off free food. Well, it's not free, is it? Actually, it's not free at all anymore. It's expensive. <laughs> but I like going apple picking with the kids. I like reaching for the biggest and the best. And, 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 but every time I do, I always go back to that thing where it says we are known by our fruits. Fruits. What we produce. 
We're not only known by what we produce, we're known by what we do with what we produce. And I remember this past year going down this, this picturesque orchard. The trees were just amazing, and I stopped and had to point this out to the kids. There are all these gorgeous trees, and there was this one tree that was grayed out, completely deficient, no fruit on it, sitting right next to the perfectly green, fruit-filled trees. And I reminded them, you can be planted in the same soil, but still not produce the same fruits. You can sit in the same church and still miss the purpose of God. Because after all, it's God's purpose that is unshakable. It's His purpose. So I'm trying to say, make His purpose your purpose. Make His purpose your passion. Make His purpose your motivation. These are questions that I've been writing down for myself, and I'll keep giving them to you. Do my dreams align with God's purpose for my life? I think it's healthy to ask yourself hard questions. It's even healthier to answer the hard questions. Am I resisting my purpose in this life? Because I am if my purpose has nothing to do with his purpose. Because you were, cre- were created on purpose for God's purpose. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We were created to be a part of God's unshakable kingdom by being about his unshakable purpose. You ready for my last point? Because the keys are playing. Keep playing. But I'm not done. Number three, I can accelerate God's unshakable purpose. We see story after story in the Old Testament where God's people delayed his plan. How's that possible? Oh, I mean, God, God's got more time than you think he does. He'll wait until you get right. He'll wait until you're ready. Unless it's too late, then he'll give it to someone else. You've got to be careful about that. Right? We see the Israel, uh, Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years, right? We also see when some people accelerated God's purpose. We see Mary, the mother of Jesus, on the day of the wedding, seeing Jesus perform his first miracle. Jesus didn't want to. It wasn't his time, he said. Look what it says in verse 3. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. I think Jesus already knew that. <laughs> it's okay. Sometimes mom's got to tell you what you already know. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? That's not actually a bad woman like we would put it in the cultural context today. He's basically saying, well, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, y'all do whatever he says to do. Do it. I'm sure she gave a mother eye to Jesus. I don't know what she did, but all of a sudden Jesus made water turn into wine. It wasn't his time, and then it was. What does that mean? We actually can accelerate God's vision. But see, what was interesting about that, it wasn't just about God having Jesus turn water into wine. Jesus spoke to the disciples, and they were the ones that had to pour it. 
So it didn't matter what God was willing to do if we weren't willing to pour. If we weren't willing to pour out of ourselves, if we weren't willing to put our hands to the plow, if we weren't ready, willing, and able, God will wait for a generation that is. What kind of parent wants to have their kids pay for things they could? Isn't the blessing supposed to go down, not up? Shouldn't we want to make sure that we're doing what we can to position our children and their children for a better future than what we're currently having? There was an acceleration that took place by the believers ready, willing, and able. In the parable of the talents, we see some accelerate the master's vision and one chooses not to. Jesus is telling, he's teaching a lesson through a parable, right? He's telling a story form lesson so that people will understand it. And he explains a master was going away for a while and entrusted different amounts of money or resource known as talents to each servant according to their ability. Say ability. To the one, or or to one of them, he gave five talents or resources. To another, he gave two. And to another, he gave one. The first two, we watch them double what they had. They worked hard. It says, when the master came back to settle accounts, he says, he came and settled accounts with them. Verse 20, master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I've made five talents more. This wasn't a lazy servant. This is one that kept the vision, kept the purpose of the master. It jumps down to verse 25. Master, you delivered me two talents. Here, I've made two talents more. And then he, he, Jesus, or the, the master, answered the exact same way to both of these people. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. But to the one he gave one talent or resource to, that person was so afraid they buried it. They didn't do anything with it. They put the vision and the purpose out of sight. They just buried it. They said in verse 25, that one person goes to the master and he says, I was afraid I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But his master answered, You wicked and slothful servants, you knew that I reap where I do not sow uh, and gather where I have scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers at my coming. I should have received what was mine with my own interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant to the outer darkness in the place. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. See, some people would say, well, that doesn't sound very nice. But God created us with purpose for a purpose. We need to be focused on God's purpose, the unshakable purpose that is still going to uh, deal at the end of the strength test. Everything that we've done for the sake of God is going to stand. God's plan, his purpose, they will come to pass. We must decide what we will do with what God has entrusted to us. Because one day we will also have to give account for it. So God, he has an unshakable purpose for each of our lives. He wants our lives to have meant more than reaching the summit of our careers or dreams. 
God wants our life to produce eternal reward based on heavenly thinking. Do you realize God wants to spend eternity? This is a question I ask myself. Do I realize God wants to spend eternity with more than just me? We live in a world where it's easy to just become selfish. He wants to save our family and our friends and our neighbors and our foes from the eternal separation and damnation. Can he say that? Yeah. God wants our plans to include his purpose because what he is looking to establish through our lives will last through eternity. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching from Metro Church.